0: to the David Glenn Show. Hope your afternoon is off to a fantastic start. We have some fun in store for you today, including a celebration of what has become the most popular sport in the United States of America. When I was a little one, the answer to that question was baseball. Gradually, football has taken that throne for a variety of reasons. It has been under attack to steal a phrase from former UNC football coach, Larry Fedora, but today, August 1st, 2019, happens to be a day that makes football worth celebrating. Many of you played high school football. Some of you still coach high school football. Today is the first day of practice for thousands and thousands of high school football players across North Carolina. There are still, by the way, about one million high school students playing the sport of football. That number is down about 20% over the last five years or so. But as the high school youngsters take the gridiron at that level, did you know it's reporting day for most college football programs, including almost everybody here across the great state of North Carolina? Most cases, practice doesn't begin until tomorrow but it is reporting day, check-in day, if you will. High school's ramping up, college football's ramping up, and yes, at the NFL level, we have our first actual preseason game. There has been nothing like such things since the last Super Bowl. It's only Broncos-Falcons. It's only the preseason. Your Panthers and everybody else don't get underway until a week from now. But Atlanta and Denver are in Canton, Ohio. They are playing in the Hall of Fame game tonight. It will be on national TV with NBC at the controls. Al Michaels, Chris Collinsworth, Michelle Tafoya. It feels like football season again. And as the high school guys practice and the college guys report to camp, some of the pros will be actually on the field. We have a question of the day as we celebrate the sport of football that will allow for your statewide participation. As always, we have fun guests from across the the spectrum of the top topics here in our backyard and elsewhere. Jim Zoki will be our live correspondent from Carolina Panthers camp in Spartanburg, South Carolina. He, of course, from the Panthers broadcast booth, one of our favorites. Did you know that Luke Keekley and Christian McCaffrey were two of four Carolina Panthers that ended up making the NFL.com top 100 players list? One of the cool things about this of course, subjective list is that rather than it being based on votes by you or me or other media members, it is the NFL players voting on each other. I look forward to this every year. Just a curiosity. Cam, by the way, is still in the top 100, but way down from number 25 last year. Keekley is 24 and the first Panther. McCaffrey is 42 and the next Panther. Keekley by the way, has been in the top 25 every year that he has been eligible for that NFL game. Gerald McCoy is in the top 100. So you have two Panthers from the offensive side of the ball, two Panthers from the defensive side of the ball. And by the way, yesterday at camp, and we'll get updates from Jim Zocchi, both Luke Keekley in a scary way, he was taken off the field and did not return, and Christian McCaffrey in a different way. They were among the headliners in Spartanburg, Under discussion was Christian McCaffrey. Did you know that he played a higher percentage of snaps by far than any running back in the entire NFL? He was on the field for more than 91% of the Panthers' offensive snaps. It was ridiculous. Like, the the second- and third-place guys were closer to 80%. Norv Turner says that he doesn't want to cut his usage, his touches, his catches, his running of the ball. He does want to reduce... The percentage of plays he's out there for. So we'll see how that shakes out. We'll ask Jim Zocchi to channel his inner Norv Turner and Ron Rivera as he joins us live from Spartanburg and as we keep you up to date on NFL headlines from across the land. Aaron Donald, by the way, of the Rams, the defensive lineman number one, that was unveiled late yesterday. Drew Brees, two from the NFC South neighbor, New Orleans Saints. The Bears linebacker, Khalil Mack, third. Patrick Mahomes of the Chiefs, all the way up to fourth. This is, again, NFL players voting on other NFL players. You can check it out at NFL.com if you like. On the football question of the day, and yes, baseball fans, we'll have one for you as well coming out of yesterday's trade deadline. I actually could pose the baseball question to Darren Vaught, our producer as I look forward to Michael Collins on golf he'll join us live from the Wyndham Championship in Greensboro Sedgefield Country Club is the venue and a great one for the second of two PGA Tour stops here across North Carolina I looked earlier today at the leaderboard of course today's the first of four competitive rounds former Wake star Bill Haas Former ECU star Harold Varner III, veteran Zach Johnson, defending champion Brant Snedeker, all in the top 10 at least this morning. Now, remember, some guys haven't even teed off yet, so if you want to head to Sedgefield, you could catch the whole 18 holes of a guy like Jordan Spieth, who's not going to tee off for another 45 minutes or so. Paul Casey, Martin Keimer, uh, Jimmy Walker, the young guy, Matthew Wolf, NCAA champion, and now a PGA Tour winner as well. Patrick Reed, Webb Simpson, Luke Donald were also lingering around the leaderboard when I glanced at it before today's show. Uh, We'll get to Michael Collins of ESPN, from the Wyndham Championship on all things golf. We'll get to Jim Zoki live from Spartanburg on all things NFL. And I have questions of the day for, among others, baseball fans and football fans. My baseball question is this, and Darren Vaught, my producer, can be first in. Interns Tommy and William are also with us today. Tommy is batting cleanup in the classic sports movie challenge. Darren, by decree, has decided that even though that is a July-only offering here on The David Glenn Show, because I'm going on vacation next week and because today is just one day after the expiration of July, it was a hit all month long a boon for ratings, I'm sure. Intern Tommy is going to crank out one more classic sports movie challenge. I took a peek. I am excited that he has chosen to tackle one more movie. It is another of my all-time favorites, probably in my personal top 10. So we'll give away another prize. You all know how that works. We play the audio from a famous sports movie. First, to correctly identify that a little bit later in today's program, gets his or her pick from the DG Show prize closet. All kinds of cool sports tickets, sports books, food, haircut from our friends at Sport Clips and many, many other options if you're today's winner. All right, Darren, my baseball question, and we'll allow the lines to light up on the other side on either of these. Here's my baseball question. Since you're a lifelong Red Sox fan who just watched your Sox beat the Yankees live at Fenway Park this past weekend, who was the biggest winner or the biggest loser at the trade deadline, 4 o'clock yesterday? I don't really root for the Sox so much as I like you to be happy. Right. You're my friend. You love the socks. And I just you're you're actually in a pretty good mood all the time. But who wouldn't be in an even better mood? Like I'm uh, probably a slightly happier guy if my Philly teams are winning <laughs> or like I'm a season ticket holder with the Canes. You know, going from irrelevant to final four status is a lot of fun. Right. We're, we're all food tastes better. The world smells better. The air is fresher. Right. It Just feels that way. I root for your Sox to do well, even as I don't have anything against the Yankees or the Astros or the Dodgers or the other contenders. Yesterday, I was intrigued because if I'm an Astros fan, I'm really excited. Because the Houston Astros, while others were, I'll say, mostly standing pat, the Houston Astros not only made a major deal, but got one of the best pitchers in all of baseball in Zach Greinke. Greinke. Right? Right. Granky. Granky. Zach Granky. Cy Young Award winner. You got another Cy Young Award winner and Justin Verlander on that staff. Right. Garrett, Garrett Cole has been phenomenal since he was acquired by the Astros. I know starting rotations don't mean what they once meant. However, Houston's got a lot going on beyond those three. And in the postseason, sometimes you get through a whole series using three starting pitchers. Nobody comes close to Justin Verlander, Zach Greinke, and Garrett Cole. That's your starting point. Meanwhile, I don't know if you'd consider this an exaggeration, but I would say the Yankees did nothing of significance. I would say the Red Sox did very little of significance. I would say the Dodgers did very little. of. I know there were some minor deals, but with the Astros, the Yankees, and the Dodgers being the big three, And your Red Sox and the Braves and others kind of trying to play catch-up. The Braves bolstered their bullpen. There's no doubt about it. Friends of the program, I watch die painful deaths while watching their Braves. If I'm on Twitter, friend of the program, Brett Friedlander, big Braves fan. Friend of the program, Jim Young, former accsports.com editor. Those guys love the Braves. I feel like I'm watching them die. On social media. (laughs) Sleepy, one thing if we were, like, sharing beers while watching the game. Like, those guys are suffering because they know they have a really good team. They sometimes have a lead to celebrate. And, man, if you want to talk about waiting for the hammer to drop, they just think every lead is going to get away. Well, they they got several bullpen pieces led by all-star closer Shane Green from the Detroit Tigers. That's not exactly twiddling your thumbs at the trade deadline. So if I'm a Braves fan, I feel like my guys went to work for me. If I am an Astros fan, my guy went to work for me. There's no guarantee. We all know that. But if I'm a Yankees or a Dodgers or a Red Sox fan, I don't know if I have those warm and fuzzy feelings today. Was there a biggest winner or a biggest loser in your
1: eyes? Uh, The Astros, far and away, the biggest winner to me. I've been telling you for weeks now, they're my World Series pick. I just think they are and have been the best, most complete team in baseball. And you pick up a guy in Zach Greinke who I believe to be a future Hall of Famer that you can put as a third starting pitcher uh, in a, a rotation for a playoff series. I think they put themselves over the top. The Braves with Shane Green from the Tigers is a really, really good pickup. Uh, the bullpen overall has struggled, so one guy's not going to fix that, but I think they should feel really good about what they did yesterday. I was totally fine with the Red Sox standing pat yesterday up until with about, what, eight seconds left on the clock well, yeah, before 4 p.m. Right? And Zach Grinke goes to the Astros. Absolutely. As long as everybody else was standing yes. pat,
0: I was perfectly fine I with get the Red it. Sox. All things are relative, and it felt like most of the contenders were standing pat until boom. Former Cy Young and Warner, Zach Greinke, is off to the Houston Astros. All right, you can jump in on that. Who was the biggest winner? Who was the biggest loser at yesterday's trade deadline if you're a baseball fan? Here's my question for football fans. Since today is the day that high school players take the practice field, college players report for preseason camp, and the NFL players, at least Denver and Atlanta, are taking the field tonight at the Hall of Fame game in Canton, Ohio. How do you describe how football impacted your life. And I'm not being facetious here. Larry Fedora of UNC lost his job with the Tar Heels primarily because he went 3-9 and nine and 2-9 and nine the last two years, right? Larry Fedora didn't do himself any favors roughly 12 months ago when he told us and others at the ACC kickoff event that the decline of football would mean the decline of America. That's how woven into the fabric of our country he thinks that branch of our sports world is. And Larry was asked repeatedly follow-up questions, giving him a chance to either wiggle off the hook or backpedal a little bit. Now he was doubling down, tripling down, quadrupling down. The decline of football would mean the decline of America. Now, I personally am not quite on board with that. Like Larry Fedora, respect Larry Fedora. That was the most curious thing I think he said in seven years' worth of fun conversations with us on the David Glenn Show. I'm not on board with that. The decline of America would mean the decline. The decline of football would mean the decline of America. But I do think sports, and I do think football specifically, can and does teach great life lessons. Now, I didn't play football at a high level. I kept going with baseball, and everything else I played kind of fell by the wayside. How do you describe how football impacted your life? If you're a coach, tell us how you see the lessons being learned. If you're a former player, and I mean high school, college, or otherwise, tell us how your life is different because you learned important lessons in football that maybe you weren't learning in life. I raise this question in part because there is the first NFL preseason game tonight. College football players at almost all campuses are reporting today. And high school football players all across our nation have their first day of practice today. It varies a little bit, but for thousands here in North Carolina, today is day one of practice. There is a 20% decline in participation in football at the high school level over the last five years or so. How do you describe how footba- football impacted your life. You can chime in throughout today on that question. It is a philosophical one. I'm, on more, I'm more on board with Vince Lombardi, the legend, legendary coach from way back when. Here's his quote on football. Football is like life. It requires perseverance, self-denial, hard work, sacrifice, dedication, and respect for authority. I'm okay with that Vince Lombardi rant right there i'm not quite on board with the larry fedora the decline of football would mean the decline of america but i know how meaningful it has been and continues to be to many of you and i think vince lombardi was among those who put it really really well how do you describe how football impacted your life your world maybe many years after you actually wore the helmet and wore those pads and played that game with some buddies back in the day 1-800-849-2761 baseball question who is the biggest winner or the biggest loser at the trade deadline I have some upset Yankees and Dodgers fans I have some excited Astros and Braves fans you can be next at 1-800-849-2761 and since August 1st in many ways is football day in America at every level how do you describe if you played the game how it impacted or improved your life. What lessons do you learn? What lessons are you still teaching? Maybe if you're a football coach out there. A little corny question, but if it's going to be asked, it might as well be on the day where football is back in action at every level that we enjoy and follow. 1-800-849-2761. I'll get to the MLS update. Did you know that the commissioner of Major League Soccer made at least two important comments last night in Orlando? The MLS All-Star Game was played But to me, that was far secondary to the update on MLS expansion. I believe it's going to come to North Carolina. I know that Raleigh and Charlotte were two of the bidding contingents that were present there in Orlando last night. And I know that Don Garber specifically talked in two different ways, the commissioner, about the possibility slash probability that our state gets an MLS expansion franchise at some point in the next few years. Two things That were, to me, the biggest takeaways from last night in Orlando. Michael Collins live from the Wyndham Championship and ESPN in 40 minutes. Jim Zocchi live from Spartanburg and Carolina Panthers camp in hour number two. Classic sports movie challenges later. Your phone calls can be now. 1-800-849-2761. We're glad you're with us on the David Glenn Show. show a couple things I promised your phone calls the classic sports movie challenge Michael Collins on golf from ESPN Jim Zoki live from Panthers camp your phone calls now including on the questions of the day for football players and coaches how do you describe how playing or coaching this game impacted your life or those that you coach Today, August 1st, 2019, happens to be the first day of practice for thousands of high school players here across North Carolina. It happens to be a reporting day for hundreds of college football players across North Carolina. In most cases, practice starts tomorrow at the college level. And it happens to be, again today, the NFL's first preseason game. With that in mind, as we hear echoes of Larry Fedora, the former UNC coach. We got a, dug out a quote from him on our show just last year. He was defending, while meeting with us at the ACC kickoff event, his statement that the decline of football would mean the decline of America. Now, I roll my eyes at that one again, as much as I love and respect Larry Fedora and enjoyed seven years' worth of conversations with him. That that and, like... Pretending that CTE, the brain disease, is somehow possibly not at all connected to the sport of football. I mean, there's asking for the best science available, and then there's sounding like a lunatic denier, right? There, there's a happy medium in there somewhere. And I think Larry Fedora crossed some lines. Again, he got fired for going 3-9 and nine and then 2-9 and nine the last two years. But July of 2018 did him no favors. In terms of how Carolina fans viewed him, because there were more eye rolls after his statements about football than there were maybe about going three and nine the first time. As much as I think Larry Fedora went too far, and we'll give you his defense here shortly from our show, I think Vince Lombardi's right. When he said, football is like life, it requires perseverance, self denial, hard work, sacrifice, dedication, and respect for authority. I didn't play football at a high level, but I played baseball and I learned a lot of those things as a pitcher for 20 years under a lot of different managers, sometimes on great teams, sometimes on the worst team in the league, sometimes as the best player on the team, sometimes as the last player on the team. It allows you to see sports from a lot of different angles. It allows you to see life from a lot of different angles. And I know baseball helped me learn some of those things that Vince Lombardi was talking about with the value of football. How do you describe how playing or coaching football has impacted your life? The bottom line is, as we're celebrating the return of the gridiron today, there's been a 20% decline in participation in high school-level football over the last five or so years. So as some are describing it as necessary – Just one more way our young people could learn important things. The participation rate has taken a significant dip. Here's how Larry Fedora defended his comments. I have more how football makes us better people quotes from living beings beyond the Vince Lombardi throwback. Here was Larry Fedora last year. Then we'll get to your baseball answers as well. Who was the biggest winner? Who was the biggest loser at yesterday's trade deadline? We have a lot of happy Astros and Braves fans. We have some unhappy Yankees and Dodgers fans. You can be next at 1-800-849-2761. All four of those teams are still plenty good. But the Astros and the Braves upgraded yesterday. The Dodgers and the Yankees mostly stayed pat. Here was Larry Fedora last year from our show. The, you know, we're the only football-playing nation in the, in the world, right? And I think that the lessons and the things that you're involved in in the game of football are interwoven with our with this country. you know. And I think that you have to be careful that we don't change the game so much. All right? When I say the game's under attack, I'm just talking about the people out there that want to br- bring this game down. And don't want football and don't think football is important. Football is my life. I got to be able to defend it, right? That was Larry Fedora. He is currently in the unemployment line, not for those comments, but for back to back three and nine and two and nine. You could share how you've experienced this great game. I've seen it from afar. How do you describe how playing football has impacted your life or how coaching football? has led to important life lessons among those you coach. You can be next at 1-800-849-2761. Regarding the baseball question of the day, who was the biggest winner, who was the biggest loser at the trade deadline? I will remind everybody that most of the time it doesn't work, right? If you have eight teams that are trying to be buyers because they're the contenders every year, And all eight do pull the trigger on big transactions. Well, even if one of those acquisitions helps somebody to the World Series title, you have seven disappointments for that one celebration story, right? But I will remind you that sometimes acquiring the big name at the deadline, and I mean in multiple sports, but most of my examples are in baseball because that was the trade deadline yesterday. As a Carolina Hurricanes fan in 2006, Everybody remembers that Rod Brindamore was the team captain and one of the stars of the postseason. Everybody remembers that Cam Ward was the rookie goalie, not even the starter at the beginning of the season. And yet, of course, by the postseason, he ends up being the playoffs MVP. Peter Laviolette is the coach. There's all sorts of gutsy role players. Corey Stillman scores goals. Ray Whitney scores goals. It wasn't at the trade deadline in the hockey world, but Jim Rutherford, our recent guest from the Pittsburgh Penguins, he's still the GM there. Jim Rutherford pulled the trigger on trades at midseason for guys named Mark Recchi and Doug Waite. Now, those were proven names in the hockey world. Were they superstars in the postseason? No, they were not. In fact, Doug Waite ended up getting injured, and he could barely, in the celebration around PNC Arena, he could barely lift the cup because he still had the ailing shoulder. I could picture it as if it were yesterday. Mark Recchi, multiple-time Stanley Cup champion, was added to the roster as well. Would the Canes have won the one and only Stanley Cup that this franchise has ever had? Remember, it is still the only highest-level team championship that our state has ever seen in this team sports, right? I know I'm talking about professionally here. Panthers don't have one. Hornets have never even come close. We don't have an MLS team. We don't have an MLB team. So it was the Canes in 06. That's our example. Plenty of college examples, plenty of high school examples, some NASCAR examples, et cetera, but you know the deal. That is kind of our top of the mountain moment. We don't know if Eric Stahl plus Ray Whitney plus Rod Brindamore plus Cam Ward plus the rest of those guys we remember most would have been enough to win the Stanley Cup. We don't know. But those tweaks prior to the deadline gave the Canes two more quality veteran players. And for those who forget, the Canes were not a Cinderella that year. It was clear they were one of the best teams in the Eastern Conference. And as most teams do when they feel like they're legitimately in the mix, but maybe not quite one of the favorites, you look to upgrade. Doug Waite and Mark Recchi acquired midseason had important roles in getting the Canes where they ended up going. In Major League Baseball, as we invite your calls, question of the day for football people, how do you describe how playing or coaching football impacted your life? Today is the launching pad for the NFL preseason games, college football reporting day, and high school football practice. Baseball fans, who was the biggest winner, who was the biggest loser at yesterday's trade deadline? You can be next at 1-800-849-2761. If you go into the pages of history and you just limit it to baseball, of course there are more failures than there are success stories. Again, if most contenders upgrade, there can be at most one happy ending, right? I remember this, though. Two years ago, easiest to remember, the Houston Astros were one of the best teams in Major League Baseball, but there were, I don't know, three or four close to the Astros, if not as good or better, and they traded for a Cy Young Award-winning starting pitcher named Justin Verlander. And Justin Verlander was not a little part of the Houston Astros winning the World Series in 2017. Justin Verlander was a central part of the Astros winning it all. That's two years ago. Modern-day example for those who, like me, can sometimes have short memories. But go back a little bit further. Do you remember the name David Justice, Darren? As a Red Sox fan, you may flinch when you hear that. But David Justice, it was the year 2000. Is that too early to be on your baseball? No, not
1: at all. I remember David Justice in the mid-90s as an Atlanta Brave because I used to go to Turner Field uh, to see family and catch a lot of
0: those games. So I, I saw a lot of David Justice back in the day. I remember David Justice mostly in my head as a Braves player as well, superstar for them. He had just started to decline a little bit as a player. Like when he was in Cleveland, toward the end, you could tell that he was past his prime but still a valuable guy. The 2000 New York Yankees, right around the equivalency of essentially yesterday's trade deadline, just 19 years ago, they traded, I think it was a bunch of players, to Cleveland to pick up outfielder David Justice. Do you know what happened to the 2000 New York Yankees with David Justice? Not a bit piece, but a central part of the Yankees that year the way Verlander was with the Astros two years ago. Maybe you've blocked this out of your baseball memory. I probably have. That's safe to assume. The Yankees won the World Series (laughs) that year. Go back to my childhood, and I'll give you one that will make you smile. In my childhood, the Oakland A's were sometimes really good in the 70s, sometimes really good in the 80s, and at the end of the 80s, they had a really good team. The New York Yankees had Ricky Henderson, right? He's a leadoff guy. He's a base stealer. He's disruptive on the base paths. Not everybody loved his personality but the guy could flat-out play. The 1989 Oakland A's at the trade deadline did what? They didn't stand pat the way your Red Sox and those Yankees and those Dodgers did yesterday. They went and got Ricky freaking Henderson from the New York Yankees in 1989. There are not as many chances to reach for the ring if you're the Oakland A's than there are if you're the Yankees, who it feels like are there on a a more regular basis than just about anybody else. Heck, your Red Sox have felt that way in the last decade plus. A's get Ricky Henderson. Do you know what happened to the Oakland A's in 1989? Yes, indeed. They won the World Series as well. And last but not least, as we invite your calls, football question of the day, how do you describe how playing or coaching football impacted your life? Some swear by its importance in American society, and yet we know there's a 20-plus percent decline in participation in that sport at the high school level. Why does it matter to you? You lived it, even if it's the high school level. How do you describe how playing or coaching that game impacted your life or those that you coached? Just last year, now most of my examples, Darren, Justin Verlander, Cy Young Award winner, Astros. They reach for the ring, they get the ring. Ricky Henderson, Hall of Famer. The A's reach for the ring at the trade deadline. They get Ricky from the Yankees. They win it all. The Yankees in 2000, David Justice was a superstar. The Yankees needed a big bat. The Yankees got him. The Yankees won it all. I add this one only because sometimes it is not the biggest names that prove out to be the trade deadline acquisition that helps push you over the top. If you're an Astros fan, you are certainly hoping that Zach Greinke coming over from Arizona, Cy Young Award winner in his own right, kind of a weird dude, but everybody agrees he can flat-out pitch. Your new rotation in Houston, is Justin Verlander, Zach Greinke, and Garrett Cole. That is the best 1-2-3 punch in all of Major League Baseball in terms of starting rotation. By the way, Darren, you know the only other MLB team that has two Cy Young Award winners on its pitching staff? It would be your Boston Red Sox. Did you know that? I didn't know they were the only two. Zach I was Greinke trying and to Justin think of, Verlander, of really good ones. The Astros just joined this list because of the Greinke trade, and your Red Sox are the only other example. Anyway, one year ago at the trade deadline, as we read about the Braves upgrading their bullpen with a, an All-Star closer in Shane Green and a couple of setup-type guys, and as we read about the Astros making the biggest waves of all with that Cy Young Award winner, one year ago, I didn't know much about Steve Pierce. I mean. I knew a little about him, but what did you think as the trade deadline came and went one year ago, a year, of course, where your Red Sox ended up reaching for and grabbing that World Series championship ring? I believe it was the very end of June instead of the very end of July. The rules are different this year, but Steve Pierce, first baseman, designated hitter, goes on to be the World Series MVP. Now, you're a baseball guru, I won't be surprised if your crystal ball said, Oh, that Steve Pierce acquisition. That's that might be the one we needed to get over the top. I don't what did you think at the time? And as dominant as the Red Sox were, would you put that much weight on the trade deadline of a year ago when you're writing the story of the world's twenty eighteen World Series champion Boston Red Sox? Uh, because so, yesterday was a big day for the Astros and the yeah. Braves. And I have Dodgers fans, friends who know how often they have been in contention over the last three decades? I mean a lot. Uh, to me, I'm, I'm surprised when the, doctor, when the Dodgers are irrelevant. So let's say they've been relevant at least two-thirds of the time, maybe, maybe three-quarters of the time or more. Everybody has a bad season from time to time. The Dodgers won the World Series most recently in 1988. They're almost always good. That's a 31-year drought now. You know you're up there with the Yankees and the Astros. You know you're above certainly anybody in the National League, even as the Braves just upgraded and a couple of others look interesting. I mean, this is your chance, man. This is it. You're arguably the best team in baseball, but you stayed pat. And that doesn't doesn't make fans staring at a 31-year drought feel better. That makes them look at Houston enviously, and it makes them look at the Braves enviously, and it makes them wonder, is this how we're going to screw it up this time? How important was the trade deadline or the buildup to it for the 2018 Boston Red Sox? Well, you can't argue that it was very important, right? I mean, Pierce ends up
1: winning the World Series MVP. I liked the deal at the time, but to be honest with you, DG, the offense was so potent for Boston, I was like, Well, no, you know, it adds some solid depth. I mean, I had no no way of knowing that it would have been that crucial with Pierce winning the World Series MVP because he was phenomenal down the stretch.
0: Some breaking news from the NFL, and then your phone calls, 1-800-849-2761. Michael Collins of ESPN. On all things golf, the Wyndham Championship continues at Sedgefield Country Club in Greensboro as we speak. Michael joins us live in 20 minutes. Jim Zoki live from Panthers camp in about 45 minutes. The breaking news from the NFL and then your calls on the questions of the day. How do you describe how playing or coaching football impacted your life or others' lives? And baseball fans, who was the biggest winner or the biggest loser at the trade deadline yesterday? We mentioned earlier, or late last month I should say, Some of the high-profile NFL holdouts were going to work out with no problems. Sure enough, Michael Thomas and the Saints work out a deal. I still believe that Julio Jones and Atlanta uh, are on that same burner. Yeah, it's not great news when you hear the beefing back and forth, but ownership and player both are on the record saying we're going to get a deal done. We don't know how exactly yet. He still has two years left on his contract, but Arthur Blank, the owner, Julio Jones and his representatives – They don't sound nervous about it either. Julio's not playing in the preseason, by the way, so you will not see him tonight as the Broncos take on the Falcons in the Hall of Fame game. But I would put those two holdouts, one of them now over, and Julio's kind of a different category, in the we-knew-it-would-be-okay category. Way at the other end of the spectrum, I see Trent Williams, the offensive lineman for Washington. That is personal. He believes they have... Unnecessarily risked his health. Just, I mean, I don't even mean just sports wise, just as a human being. Bad communication. Do you know what town Redskins camp is now being held in nowadays, Darren? As somebody who grew up in Virginia, do you know where? Is it Ashland, Virginia? That's technically correct, but the better answer is Dysfunction Junction, Virginia. (laughs) That's where the Redskins now have (laughs) preseason training camp. Trent Williams, I don't think that marriage is going to get back together. That one's headed for divorce court one (laughs) way or another. And then you have these ones in between, Zeke Elliott and the Cowboys. Jerry Jones shoots his volley. Hey, did you know you can win Super Bowls without a league-leading rusher? Zeke's in Cabo working out, you know. Uh, he and Melvin Gordon, to me, fall into the middle category. Like, I'm not sure which way these things are going to go. Remember, there was a time Emmett Smith and Jerry Jones had their back and forth. Emmett missed part of the regular season. But then Jerry Jones basically said, I, I think we need Emmitt. And then they got him, and then they won it all. Well, Melvin Gordon, I think, is an even more hard-to-predict story as I'm rooting for Phillip Rivers at this late stage of his career to maybe make a run at his first Super Bowl appearance and first Super Bowl title. And I think the Chargers have a lot going for them. But Melvin Gordon, their star running back, of course, is one of the other higher-profile holdouts. His agent told ESPN's Josina Anderson today that Melvin and his representatives have requested a trade from the L.A. Chargers. The team remained at their initial offer of about $10 million per season. Gordon is 26 years old. He's in the last year of his contract. It's a fifth-year option worth almost $6 million but Melvin Gordon, like Le'Veon Bell last year, holding out, making demands. The same agent, by the way, was able a year ago, I think it was about a year ago, to convince the Miami Dolphins to move Jarvis Landry in a trade. Remember, they franchise-tagged him and then sent him to the Cleveland Browns. So, same agent, somewhat similar circumstances, finagled his client's way out of town. We'll see if Melvin Gordon of the Chargers ends up taking a similar route. 1-800-849-2761. Your phone calls on the baseball and football questions of the day. On the other side, Vince Lombardi said football is like life. It requires perseverance, self-denial, hard work, sacrifice, dedication, and respect for authority. If you played football, high school or otherwise, how did it impact your world? Is it more the Vince Lombardi way? Or are you going all the way to the Larry Fedora line in the sand? The decline of football would mean the decline of America. I'm with Lombardi, not so much with Fedora. You can tell us through your own words, 1-800-849-2761. Next on the David Glenn Show. quick update from the college football world the annual coaches poll has made its debut here in 2019 the Clemson Tigers received 59 of 65 first place votes in the poll and Darren your crystal ball may not have been perfectly accurate on Steve Pierce and your Red Sox acquisition of him a year ago but I'll bet your crystal ball is accurate enough to tell me who got, this, who got the other first-place votes in the annual college football coaches poll? Dabo and the Clemson Tigers got 59 out of 65. Who got the other six? I would imagine Alabama got six That's correct. Nick Saban and the Alabama Crimson Tide, they fall into place at number two. That reflects virtually every guest that we have had on college football as reporting day is today and as practice begins tomorrow for so many of the teams that we follow. Uh, Just for fun, the rest of the top five, the Georgia Bulldogs at number three, Oklahoma at number four, Ohio State at number five. The same five teams began last year as the preseason top five, and if we all remember correctly, three of the five did make the playoff. That's starting to sound like NBA-level predictability, right? Clemson, Alabama, and Oklahoma were three of the final four. Man, I don't want that to happen, but it is hard to bet against the Tigers and the Crimson Tide. For we have a lot of SEC and Big Ten fans I know who have Uh, relocated or live here in North Carolina. Yes, you're represented in the rest of the top 10. LSU at six, Michigan seven, Florida eight, Notre Dame nine, and the Texas Longhorns at number 10. Does the ACC get to claim Notre Dame? No, not in football. Not that way. It's just Clemson at the top, and then everybody wondering, will the ACC in football have another outstanding football team? Remember, last year, only Syracuse made the final top 25 of the college football uh, rankings Uh, The orange could be good again, but I'm not sure if there is a great candidate to truly put the ACC on the map nationally in college football. We're We're kind of spoiled in college basketball with the ACC having four teams in our backyard with Duke and Carolina being so good so frequently under Roy Williams and Mike Krzyzewski. When it's time for the preseason poll in basketball, it's not only like a Duke or Carolina number one in a lot of different years. It's like, oh, yeah, and there's those other seven ACC basketball teams in the preseason top 25. Or in a bad year, it might be like four or five others. So you have your potential champion or potential champions in basketball, and then like a half a dozen that you're like, you know what, man? They could make a run to a Final Four. Not that way in ACC football. It's Dabo and the Tigers, yes, contenders for everything that there's worth contending for. But I'm not sure if there's a really, really strong ACC number two in football right now. Michael Collins live on All Things Golf in about 10 minutes from ESPN. Jim Zoki live from Panthers camp also next hour. Your phone calls, too, on The David Glenn Show. Jerome Robinson, are you a hugger or a handshake guy? How does it work if Adam Silver is waiting for you? I really don't know. I I hope it's not awkward. (laughs) Um, You know, I hope it's not like a hand-to-hug-to-hand kind of thing, but... I don't know. I might just mess around and just hug him. No hands. I think he's a hugger.
1: You're listening to The David Glenn Show. Do
0: you know Michael Collins of ESPN, their golf analyst, was once a comedian? I wonder which PGA Tour pros he would most and least like to see as members of the audience if he was performing at a comedy club. We'll talk actual golf, too, with the Wyndham in Greensboro. Michael Collins of ESPN, next. Coach Lou Holtz is joining us. What can you tell us about those four seasons in Raleigh? Everybody from North Carolina calling us boo you and
1: agriculture you. And I remember walking the press conference saying I want everybody in the state to understand agriculture is better than no culture. Stay with us on the David Glenn Show.